The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Time now for John Gibbons for our weekly environment spot. John, I thought we were going to be talking today about the European Parliament and a vote in relation to biodiversity. What's happened with that? Uh, good evening, Matt. Yeah, it basically that this... Uh took place uh, kind of early this morning at the European Parliament's uh, Envy Committee, it's called, and there was a split, basically, 44-44 among the members of the committee, and that was the vote that was split was an effort by the EPP, that's the European People's Party, uh, which would be best known in Ireland as the party of which Fine Gael is, is um, affiliated, and they attempted basically to to torpedo the whole process and to have the, the entire nature restoration law simply thrown out rejected, scrapped, dumped. Uh, so Fine Gael and the EPP's attempt to do that narrowly uh, escaped uh, this morning, Matt. So from here, basically, it goes on to a full hearing in the European Parliament uh, in the plenary session on the 27th of June. So we get another another crack at the whip, but there was certainly a... Sorry, but a, what, what is nature restoration law? What's involved in that? Is this about re-wetting and rewilding? Well, it's a, yeah, it's a whole range of... Um, measures that are required, basically. Uh, European biodiversity, both in Ireland and right across the, the continent, is on the floor. We have a, a biodiversity collapse. Uh, nature is in terrible condition. Um, we've seen this from, from all the indices, from, from bird species across to, you know, you name it. The whole system, basically, is in, is in extremely poor condition. And the strange thing is, Matt, that it turns out that rather than taking action on, on, on nature restoration being some kind of burden on farming as it's been spun uh, in Ireland and elsewhere, it turns out that the, the only way we can have a functioning food system into the 2030s and the 2040s is by dedicating some, at least some of the land space of Europe to allow nature restoration. It's, it's simply a fallacy, an empty fallacy that we can continue to allow biodiversity collapse to accelerate you know, against a backdrop of, of, of a rising climate rising temperatures across Europe and not expect the whole system to simply keel over and collapse. And I should say, Matt, as well, this isn't just my, my view. Uh, a consortium of 3,300 scientists from across Europe, including dozens from Ireland, uh, wrote to the, the European Parliament about this and they essentially took a list and rebutted and refuted all the allegations in relation to food security, uh, impact on, on marine uh, life and so on and made the point that the only way forward for food security and food production in Europe is nature protection. And people who come on to the radio or anywhere else to tell you that you can have a successful agricultural industry on a, on a collapsed biosphere is simply has no idea what they're talking about. Let's move on. And something else was Fine Gael Junior Minister Neil Richmond was tweeting this week about attacks on cars in Churchtown in Dublin, specifically SUV type vehicles which had had their tyres slashed. Is this the tyre extinguisher climate action group at work in Ireland? Yeah, it appears to be, Matt. They've left their, their calling card, which basically is a, a flyer that's left on the windscreen of cars to, to notify them. And it goes something like this, attention, your gas guzzler kills. And, and just letting people know that one or other of their tyres have been deflated. And they say, you'll be angry about it, but don't take it personally. It's not you, it's your car. So I suppose the effort oh, here... Oh, hang on a second. That's a bit rich, isn't it? Don't take it personally. Those people are going to have to fork out to pay to get the tyre replaced. They could be late for various important appointments don't take it personally surely that type of behaviour is the type of thing that only really annoys those who might otherwise be converted to environmentalism 
Yeah, well, ju- just again to get our terminology correct, there's no need to replace the tyre that has been deflated, Matt. You simply reinflate it. Okay, just just well, it for, depe- for it, dep- yeah. it depends on how it's been done, doesn't it? Well, if you simply uh, deflate a tyre, the way to the way to fix that problem is to put air back into the tyre. So, so there's been I know for and the reason I make this point specifically is because Neil Richmond has used the phrase uh, about tyres being slashed. There is no evidence whatsoever, either in Churchtown or anywhere where the where these tyre extinguishers have operated, that anybody these tyres have been slashed. They've deflated tyres and left a polite note which as you say will annoy the hell out of people uh, saying sorry about this but we're doing this for a particular reason. And to your second part, right, yeah, does it irritate people? Does direct action annoy and irritate people? Yes, of course it does. If you decide instead to go into a field and have a protest, uh, hold up some banners in a field where you're not interfering with anybody, Matt, guess what? We wouldn't be on the radio this evening talking about it, right? Unfortunately, if you want to make an omelette, you have to break eggs. And this is what people like the tire extinguishers are doing. Another thing I'd take up with Neil Richmond is he used the phrase... um, vandalism and criminal behaviour. Vandalism indicates uh, random destruction for the fun of it. That's the definition of vandalism. And it's pretty obvious here that this is anything but vandalism. There's a specific purpose to why people are doing this uh, and they're doing it and explaining themselves to people. It doesn't mean they expect to be liked by it, but I think you could make the same argument with the suffragettes back in the day that they took to direct action when all else failed, Matt. When having tried and had peaceful protests and written all kinds of polite letters to Parliament, when none of that worked, they took to direct action. And guess what? They were demonised in the media. They were pilloried. Many of them were thrown into prison. But in the end of the day, women today have the vote because of the risks that were taken by women who at the time, as I said, were absolutely uh, demonised for their efforts. So I think, let me put it to you this way, Matt. Let's say we were having this conversation in 10 years' time. Let's just say. And let's assume that the climate uh, catastrophe continues to accelerate on its current pathway. I have a feeling that the conversation that we would be having about what's happening in 2023 is something like this. Can you believe it that people just sat on their hands and did nothing? Can you believe it? We had all this scientific evidence, all these scientists screaming at us, begging us to do something. And you know what? We were too busy. We just loved our big cars. We loved our uh, multiple foreign flights every year. And we just couldn't bring ourselves Matt, to inconvenience ourselves in the slightest. Okay, I'm going to get back to the cars in a moment, but I'll give you another example of climate activism protests this week. Uh, It was in Stockholm, I think it was, where there was a Monet painting, paint thrown over it, again, to draw attention to climate activism. But all you've actually done is damage a priceless work of art. What's the point? Yeah, again, I, I, I'm not familiar with the particular incident that you refer to, but I'm guessing that the Monet hasn't been damaged because certainly in previous incidents like this, uh, these these paintings are, are generally protected by glass screens. So usually it's a bit of a mess, but no damage done to the painting. But I stand to be corrected, Matt, if, if I have. But again, to answer your question, and I, I thought I'd already answered, but I've got to give it another No, no, I, I'm just the making point, a point. No, yeah. no, no, I think you have, in fairness. We know your point of view in relation to that. I was just giving you another example of where people might think that annoying. is pointless. But Matt, annoying direct action so that people like you and me are on the radio talking about it, saying, what on earth are we going to do about this, guy? does that convert anyone to actually taking the action that is required? Or does it simply piss them off? Well, first of all, I have no doubt, Matt, that it pisses them off. I have no doubt at all. But guess what? Sometimes the, the, the path to action comes through being annoyed. What, what you follow from that is being aware and then saying, oh, my God, these people might actually have a point. Now, some people will say these people belong in jail and good luck to them. Other people might, might look, get their head up and say, look, 
they have a point. For example, let's say you're a, an SUV driver today and, and you feel, you're feeling kind of persecuted about this, okay? Let me put it to you this way. You've made that decision at the time. You, you may not have been aware of the consequences. Fair enough. Now, now you've been made aware. So maybe when you come to that next purchasing decision, you say, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm more attuned to the situation now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find an option that is less damaging. And, it, and I think that's how this stuff works, Matt. You have to make a lot of noise, first of all, uh, for the message to sink through. Otherwise, okay. you know, the, the polite stuff, I'm afraid, it just goes right over the windscreen. All right. Well, here's another one. Is it the case that you believe hybrid cars should be banned from using EV charging points? Yeah, this is a teeny tiny bit of a of a bugbear of mine. I have to admit, Matt, this is a personal bugbear, right? Um, basically, we're rolling Aren't out. Aren't they all? <laughs> Aren't they? Ah, uh, no. Ah, uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll ignore that and move swiftly on. Um, the You know, the ESB, for example, we currently have 1,350 public charging points rolled out in Ireland. There's a 100 million euro strategy to see another seven to 800, but it's not enough. We already have somewhere between 60 and 70,000 battery electric vehicles on the road. Now, this, of course, is good news, right? Apart from the fact that the benefit we've got from them has been wiped out by SUVs. But leaving that aside for a moment, that means that there's huge pressure on our public charging points. Now, what I see where I live here in Dunleary is regularly are basically plug-in hybrids. In other words, cars with two exhaust pipes in the back plugged in and left at public charging spaces. Now, if you have a plug-in hybrid, and good luck to you, charge it at home. Do not tie up the public charging network. Now, maybe, Matt, in a happy situation in five or ten years, when we have loads of public charging points, sure, you can top up your 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 plug-in hybrid. But at the moment, you have no reason to do that. And my strong suspicion, by the way, that for people who are using uh, public charging spots for, for their plug-in hybrids that have petrol engines or diesel engines, is that they're actually availing of free parking. And they're also knocking out... Uh, because if you're in a battery electric vehicle, you need access to a public uh, charging point. It's not a question of I would like to top up. It means you must top up. So my, my sort of friendly suggestion for the day is maybe we should change the rules and have uh, full battery electrics only. And that way it will help to bridge the gap between that happy day and the future when we have plenty of charging points for everybody. John Gibbons, thank you as ever. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today is-